All right, welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. This is your host, David Norrie, and today, hmm, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I'm excited for this. this. It's a topic that a lot of people aren't talking about. It's a topic that needs to be talked about. It's a topic that is infiltrating our homes, our marriages, our workplaces, and, and certainly it's something that we on the Turned On Podcast want to address. Please stick around. You're going to want to have a, an open ear, an open heart, and an open mind for this one. This is the Turned On Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bringing it back to you. Guys, I come to you today as a man with a heart that I want to help people, and it's always been that way. And I found somebody that a friend of mine years ago had tried to introduce us, and she goes, I just feel like you guys are equally yoked. You're on the same mission. You have a lot of the same thoughts and philosophies, and you got to meet each other. And you know how, how things happen. They get put on the back shelf or communication breaks down. And so I, I finally ran into him. I talked to him the other day for the first time, and I was like, this person was right. Uh, we're equally yoked. We are on a, a similar mission. And today we're going to talk to you about a stronghold that is going on in so many homes it's going to be something that I want you to have uh, an open mind and, and, a, and a strong heart, and I just want, I want to attack this subject head on. Uh, it's funny, because when we talked about it, I said, this is kind of a difficult subject for most people, and my guest said, we're not going to make it difficult. We are going to, we are going to face this like men and bring it out into the, into the forefront, and we are going to do something about this. So let me tell you who he is. His name is Frank Rich, and he's a former bodybuilder. He's a former entrepreneur, a men's health coach, and he's the host of the Superhuman Life Podcast, the Superhuman Life Podcast. But why he's coming on today, he's going to talk to us about addiction. I'm not going to tell you what kind of addiction he's going to tell you, but it's about something that had given him depression, anxiety for almost 20 years, and now he's on a mission. I love it because he is unapologetic. He is bold. He is strong. He is out there. Um, He's helped thousands of men uh, not only transform their physiques, but now he's helping them transform their soul and their spirit. And he's also the founder and CEO of Rebuilt Recovery. It's a company based on growth-centric, holistic approach to addiction recovery. We've had so many people on here because... We are in the grips of a spiritual war, and we've had people here talking about uh, alcohol addiction, we've had people talking about drug addiction, and we've had people talk about all types of addiction, but this next guy, Frank, welcome to our podcast. Frank Rich, I'm going to ask you point blank, first of all, welcome. Second of all, I want you to just tell us in two minutes what your turned on moment was. Absolutely, David, and uh, super thrilled and excited to uh, to be here and continue that amazing conversation that you and I 
had last week. And what I loved about that intro, man, is is a couple words jumped out at me in, in your intro. Um, the need for instant gratification, something that is obviously the world is struggling with and the society has created it to be just even easier for us to get everything we want. So the work that I do focuses in on that. And then the other word that really jumped out to me was that connection piece, right? I think all addiction impacts connection, but I think the one that we're going to get into here today uh, really, really plays a role in, in impacting our connection with ourselves, our connection with God, our connection with every person in our life. And just real quick to circle back to the person that introduced us. One thing I learned very quickly after meeting Natasha is when she speaks, I listen. Uh, yeah. That woman is incredible and is just massively impacting and changing the world. So Amen yeah, that. my turn on moment, man, um, there, there, were, there were a couple of them, but I think the biggest one, there was a moment of clarity that I had in early 2019. So this is just a handful of months after giving life to Christ. So I was saved on October 22nd of 2018, actually in downtown Orlando on Church Street. Wow. Uh, but there was a moment that came just a couple months after that, where at the time I was building uh, my fitness company, Frank Rich Fitness. So I was, a, you know, I was an influencer or somebody else putting content out in the world. But like most people with fitness, right, it's like fitness became the gateway to personal development for me. So I wanted to bring that to the rest of the world. So filtered in my Recording message in of progress. building your body or filtered through the message of changing your life or changing your, your life through fitness was that you could step into the greatest version of yourself. That used to be what I could, that what our, our company, our fitness company was built on, build your body, get stronger, get leaner. So you can become the greatest version of yourself. But I had this moment of clarity while sitting in the morning one day, realizing like I wasn't the greatest version of myself because I had a secret life that I've been living for over 20 plus years. I had an addiction that nobody else knew about. So that moment of clarity said, when Frank, your business isn't succeeding, your content isn't taking off because your message is fake. Your message is not real. You are not the greatest version of yourself. So how would you ever be able to lead anybody to the greatest version of their self? So I had this moment of clarity and real talk with myself. And a few weeks later, I'm sitting in the car with somebody on Valentine's Day, the, fa the, the day of love, right? We celebrate it with gift cards, flowers, all these amazing things. Been in a relationship for about three and a half years at that point. And in this conversation, for the first time, I had a grown man admit to me that he had a problem with pornography, but he was working to overcome it. So I'd mentioned I had the moment of clarity a couple of weeks before that. I felt that conversation was God speaking to me. Now you need to take radical action on your life. So the moment of clarity came, literally looked at myself in the mirror, and then I took action on it a couple of weeks later. Yeah, you know, that's brave because sometimes the hardest lens to look through is that mirror back at yourself. And we we know that addiction is well, it's called addiction in the in the secular world. I, I love when pastors and people in the in the faith based world they call it a stronghold. And a stronghold is something that it's like a door that I was described that just, it never closes. It's never fully closed because the devil will always try and open that door. And so you have to be consciously uh, aware of when that door is trying to creep back open. So tell us exactly what this addiction was and, and how you came to really want to change your life because of it. Yeah, so I'm 39. Uh, I just turned 39 a couple of weeks ago for a little bit of context. Um, Happy birthday. I was introduced... Yeah, thank you, brother. Um, I say I was introduced, but it's not like somebody actually said, here's pornography. I stumbled across pornography right around the age of six. 
Um, being a nosy little kid, kind of going through dad's stuff, you, you pull a drawer out, you kind of lift up some socks and underwear and you see, oh, there's these magazines that make you feel curious yeah. about what's going on, on the inside. So the, you know, the introduction to pornography came in a very young, unequipped age, but it's important that the context of my age is important because that was a, that was a magazine, right? That was like a hustler. It wasn't what our kids have, you know, access to today. But when I did get the internet at 15, within the first hour, I had already found it. When I got a BlackBerry at 21, so I was probably one of the first thousand people in the world to have a color screen BlackBerry because I was working for T-Mobile at the time that that phone was launched. Um, literally, so having a color, you know, color screen BlackBerry. And for any of the young kids, a BlackBerry is the original smartphone. Like you wouldn't have an iPhone today <laughs> if the BlackBerry wasn't true, around true. almost 20 years ago. But same thing I did when I had a computer in my room for the first time. Having a computer with a color screen on my phone in my pocket now was able to find pornography within the first hour is, is, as well. So as I navigated through my twenties and thirties, businesses and entrepreneurship and bodybuilding and corporate leadership success, all these things like this thing in my pocket always had a stronghold or always had bondage over me. And it's interesting. You said that, you know, when you begin to take steps towards freeing yourself, the enemy will, will, will appear. Right. And, and that came for me literally day one. So I mentioned I was having a conversation with my friend on Valentine's day. This man is a Marine, like somebody I hold a lot of respect for, somebody I really looked up to uh, and inspired me. When he told me that he was struggling with a porn addiction and he had for his entire life, like it, it lifted a weight off of me that I'd never felt before. I felt so much pressure mm -hmm. and shame and guilt that I could never talk about this with anybody, right? I've been caught a, a couple times before in previous relationships, but I built barriers to never allow that to happen again. So thinking that I was going to be able to talk about this with other people is something I never really thought about. But when I heard another man say it, it's like, okay, here's my opportunity. And by me voicing it and committing it to him that day, that was going to change my life. That was when the enemy was like, ah, I've lost grips on this guy. Right? So literally I, I, I told Zach that day, dude, I'm done with this. I need you to hold me accountable, but I also need to go home and tell Stephanie. So I was living with a woman mm -hmm. at the time. Um, we had been three and a half years into our relationship. There had been talks of potential future marriage, kids, all these exciting things that people, you know, discuss at that point within a relationship. But I knew if we were to continue down the path together, she needed to know the truth. Okay. So I admitted to Zach and I told Zach, I'm going to go home and tell Stephanie literally today because she needs okay. to know. Let's, a 30 minute drive or so that day. Go ahead. Let's, let's take this there. Let's break it down because first of all, there's a couple things is men realizing that porn is not bad. Um, there's this, first of all, when, when you and I spoke, we said, you know, how are we going to handle this topic? And, and you're, this is your platform. This is what you do. I've been pretty brave about it, but certainly uh, not as bold and brave as you. And I love how you said, we're not going to skirt around it. We're not going to, you know, pussyfoot around this topic, we're going to tackle it head on. And the first thing that we do to tackle this head on is what you said is it, a lot of men don't see this as an addiction or a problem. They see it as normal. Actually, some men even say, well, this is a great part of being a normal heterosexual male, right? They say, this is a part of manhood. And so I bet you there's a lot of guys out there would even be afraid to admit to their friend that they feel like it's a problem or they feel like it's wrong because would that make me less of a man? No doubt to a Marine, you know, the, this, this imagery of manhood wrapped up in Marine and you had the, the guts to say it. And, and he had the, the capacity to hear that from you and take it to the next level. And then I don't think a lot of people would have the guts right away to take it to the person that they're in a relationship with. So let's just break that down. If there's somebody out there right now listening 
guys, it's not normal. It's really not. It's not a, it's not a badge of honor. It's not cool. It's, you know, it's not great to show porn. It's, it's not a victimless crime. And we'll get into that, but let's talk about what it means to be a man. And I'll tell you guys, here's a guy who is a bodybuilder in Frank, right? You are a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. You are a good-looking guy, no problem getting women, a successful guy. So let's take all the stereotypes away from it. What differs from you going out and having many relationships and fulfilling yourself sexually that way to saying, you know what, I'm just going to watch pornography? Yeah, well, that's that word that you, that you guys have in your, uh, in your intro, right? It's the instant, the instant gratification, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Instead of... I think John Eldridge does the best job. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with John's work, yeah. Wild at Heart, all of his other amazing books. Um, what he says, and I think it's in Wild at Heart, what makes pornography so destructive and dangerous to young men is it supplies them everything they need from a woman, you know, physically or sexually without asking anything of him in return. So when we think about pursuing a woman or a wife, right? Like, you know, or, 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 or finding a potential partner, like, Men have men are called to 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 step up, right? Like sure. you, you're you're not going to land an amazing woman in your life if you don't have value that you're bringing to her. If you're not a valuable man, a high value man, somebody that can provide, protect, preside over a family. So these are requirements of a man to bring a woman into his life. But pornography is going to bypass all those requirements. You don't need to become a man of value. You don't need to become a man that can protect and provide for others. If all you're seeking is a physical release, just go to the pornography play with yourself a little bit and you're going to get that, that release. So I think it hijacks masculinity at its core because Ooh, it's going to give the men what they want sexually without requiring them to show up as a man to get it. Oh, uh, we, we really need to, to stop for a second and focus on that because that is an angle. That's a, that's a statement right there that I think is so true. It is, it's a cop out. It's an easy way to get all the things that you want and it's a quick fix and it, doesn't require you to do any of the thing that would would be a man. Wow, that's powerful. Um, you know, and and do you think in in your work with people, let's talk about why it destroys lives. Um, I did a little bit of research, and it says here that the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers reports that fifty six percent of divorce cases involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Think about that. Over half of all divorce cases, half, according to the Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, say that at least one party is involved in having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. It is destroying marriages. It is the work of the devil. Yeah, it's a powerful stat, man. And for, for me, you know, I always take a little bit different of a of an angle on a lot of these things because I'm here not to save marriages. I'm here to save men. Because if we don't save the men first, we're never going to have marriages. So I bring it back even a layer closer to home and say it's impacting the men at various levels, right? It impacts, obviously, their spiritual life, you know, their connection to God. Like, how can you ever be closely connected yeah. to our Creator and our Savior if this is a part of your life, so it impacts that relationship and it impacts the, it impacts your, your mental health, your physical health, your, your relationship health. So fixing the man first has always be, been, been my purpose okay. and, 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 and my focus, but it interjects uh, motivation, right? Like I can't tell you how many young men I speak to 
in their early 20s, literally was on a sales call today with a guy, has no motivation to go to the gym. He's like, I don't even clean my apartment. I have a hard time getting out of bed because with this dopamine reward center, like that is what's being hijacked. So these men suffer from just finding like meaning out of doing menial tasks out of life. So I think it impacts the men at such a deep level that they're not even equipped to go into relationships. Yeah. I mean, that it's again, these, these are great, great points here that I don't think um, we even realize. I mean, I love how you took me back to that and let's, let's go back for marriage. Let's talk about what it means. Again, I'm not cleaning my apartment. I'm not doing the things I need to do because everything is right here. I mean, let's be honest when, when you're in the animal kingdom, when you try an attractive mate, I've, I've seen a, um, one of those wildlife documentaries and it was a bird and the male bird made this house and he put the twigs just perfectly. And he, he took time to build this house and he went inside, he made these beautiful calls and it was this dance and this dance of seduction. And finally the, the female bird after going around, she went inside. So if we see it in the, in the nature in the animal kingdom, certainly we should see it with us. And I think you just brought up a fantastic point there that a lot of people aren't thinking about. Yeah, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful story, man, or a description there of like animal mating patterns. Here's, here's an interesting one that I think can tie into this conversation. So I believe it was in the seventies, might've been late seventies, early eighties, uh, out of Stanford, they were doing research on butterflies. Um, and what they had done is they set up, they created like a butterfly ecosystem. What they wanted to do is they wanted to study butterfly mating patterns. So male butterflies, the, the attraction to females is, size of the wings, kind of the vibrancy of the colors and something with their eyes. So color, size, shape of their eyes. So the researchers knew this, that the the female butterflies with the biggest, brightest wings and the biggest eyes, they get the male butterflies attracted to them. So to research this, what they started doing is inside of this ecosystem, they started injecting fake butterflies, right? Bigger wings, more vibrant colors, bigger eyes. Over time, what ended up happening is the male butterflies stopped going to the real butterflies to mate with and started giving all their attention to the fake butterflies. This is where the term supernormal stimulus came into play, right? Because the the butterflies were just so in awe with the supernormal levels of these colors and the supernormal levels of their eyes. When we think about pornography, what it does to a young man's brain is first, second exposure. It gives you supernormal levels of dopamine. Okay. Dopamine is a chemical that is tied to motivation and pleasure. But if I know that pornography is going to give me a level 10, why would I ever go do the dishes that's going to give me maybe two hits of dopamine? Or why would I go to the gym that's maybe a level four? Why would I work on passion projects, maybe a level seven, when pornography is going to give me a 10? We also can think about, okay, what is happening with women in the world? Why do women look like dolls? Why, why are their lips getting large? Or why are butts getting the size of Montana? It's because the men are becoming attracted to super normal levels mm. of what's being presented to them through pornography, right? So all of this is coming back to what's happening to the, to the young man's brain, hijacking his dopamine, but beginning to change his attraction. Because here's, here's a stat that blew my mind. Is a young boy today, in a matter of 30 minutes, can sit in front of a computer screen and look at and consume and see more naked women than your and I grandfather or great-grandfather or probably our fathers would have done in their entire life. Once again, a 12-year-old boy in a matter of 20 minutes can see more naked women in flesh than our grandparents would in their entire life. So it's just hijacking and it's just changing the way that men even see women.
Yeah, I mean, the, a, a fantastic. The bodies are changing. The breasts are getting huge. The butts are getting huge. And we have an unrealistic view of what a woman should be. Um, you know, mm. I was thinking about this podcast, and I was asking myself when I was first introduced to pornography because, you know, I'm in my late 40s, and we know now that it's more accessible through the smartphone. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, but the average age, I think, uh, in, what do you think? Is 11 or 12, or is it earlier than that? It's 11 right now, and I'm, I'm sure that's just going to get yeah. lower and lower. So I'm thinking about myself, and I think it was probably, you know, I think it was probably right around that age, you know? And this was, I remember exactly where it was, it, the Bo Derek Playboy issue. And just like you said, my friend saw it in his dad's bathroom. We opened it up, and I remember we didn't know what it was. We, I mean, we didn't know what was happening to us. I just remember him saying, I feel funny. And I go, I feel funny too, yeah. you know? And, um, and then – Later on, it was literally, and this is going to date me, guys. It was literally uh, like real to real. Like my and, and the friend's dad had to go out of town, or the parents had to be gone for a while. And there was a, a real to real projector that you set up. I mean, I mean, think about that. So it was definitely harder to access. But when I think about what it's doing, and I, and I love where this is going immediately because I always try and think about who's listening right now, who's out there going. Either it's their husband, or maybe it's their their boyfriend, or maybe it's the, the man himself uh, who's sitting there and going, you know, I feel kind of lazy. You know, I'm a, I feel like I'm addicted to porn. Um, I feel like it's robbing me from the joy from other spots in my life. And then it gets into the next thing I want to talk about is how do we recognize it? We know that, man, testosterone is such a powerful thing. I mean, that when, when, when it gets into your mind and you start thinking about sex, sometimes it's almost impossible to stop. So there is a lot of there's a lot of self-control. You mentioned the Bible. When we go back to Adam and Eve when they didn't know sin and the first thing after she ate the apple when God tracks down Adam in the in the garden, he says, um, you know, why did you hide from me? And he's like, well, we were naked and ashamed. So that first part right there. That's what I want to get into. There's a heavy-duty dose of shame that comes with pornography. There's that dopamine fix that you talked about. And when we look at other addictions like uh, a cocaine addiction or an alcohol addiction, it's sometimes escapism. Um, is, is pornography escapism? And where does the shame fit in? Yeah, I think at the core of all addiction is, is the same underlying things, right? You know, um, escapism, lack of not feeling enough. Maybe there's trauma associated with certain things. Um, so I think those roots are, 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 are always the same. I love the shame uh, conversation because I think I have a really unique perspective that can really help a lot of people. But when we think about the word shame, like ultimately, what is what is what are we saying if we say we have shame about something? Shame is attached to I see myself as a bad person. Yep. OK, guilt, on the other hand, is I'm a person that is doing bad things. I'm guilty for what I did. Shame is. I'm guilty for who I am, or I'm bad because of what I do. How do you break that? Talk about it, right? Like if, if you're unable to talk about something because you're worried about somebody's judgment, that in and of itself is showing you that you have shame because you're worried with their perception of you if you say what it is you're doing, probably telling you that you have a bad perspective on who you are. You don't see yourself in a positive lens. Well, how do you break that? You got to get acceptance from somebody else. So I think any person that would be struggling with this, how do you get out of this? You got to find somebody safe, right? You got to find a Zach in your life, somebody that you can trust, somebody that you can have that real yeah. open, vulnerable 
conversation. And David, I'm sure you've done this before, right? You've had conversations with, I'm sure, men's grooves or maybe mentors in your life. Maybe as you were navigating your own struggles, you're like, hey, man, I've been struggling with this thing. If it's the right person and they truly do care about you and he's a real man of God, he's not going to judge you. He's not going to shame you. He's not going to degrade you for what you're doing. 99.9% of the time, as long as that's the right person, he's going to put his arm around you and say, you know what, brother? We've all been through this. This is every man's battle. The biggest part that's going to change your life, though, is this conversation right now. So shame literally is us telling ourselves we're a bad person. It's like one layer above death in like the scale of consciousness from Dr. David Hawkins' book, Power Versus Force. So I think like talk, like talking about it, talk about it with a pastor, talk about it with a mentor. Men don't go talk about it with your wife right now because you need to kind of have a little bit yeah. of understanding of what she's going through before you bring that to her. But find a man in your life uh, that you truly trust and respect. Yeah, and you talked about it on your, on your Instagram post today. You talked about um, finding a male mentor. You know, and, mm. and then um, it's interesting because when we look at our circle of friends and when we, when we take that journey and gosh, I think we think that most, we're, sometimes we think that we're the only ones or nobody will understand, you know, and you, um, you told me some stats there. I don't know if you still have them about, you know, the, who, how many people are actually watch pornography. I have some stats here. How many people in the church even, um, and, and so we think, who can we trust? Who would we go to? And who is this man? And and how do I even bridge that conversation? It's almost like ripping a Band-Aid off, right? You, you can think of a million ways to do it, but at the end, you just got to come out and say it. So what are your advice for, for that? Yeah, man. Rip the Band-Aid. Because at the end of the day, man, like, what, what, is, what is bleeding to death ultimately going to do for you? You know, so... I think for me, that, that, that was it. People were like, how did you just openly talk about this? It's like, I was so fed up with living the other way. I was so fed up with where, where I was, man. If we truly think about this life and we, and we live in gratitude and we're grateful for the day, we're grateful for the life, but also grateful that this is the only one. Like, so am I going to, to become the man that God has created to be, or am I going to live in bondage for the rest of my life? So I don't have a great answer to this one other than you just got to pull yeah. the bandaid off, man. And it's going to be painful for maybe a minute. But the, but the, but here's the interesting part, man, because pain and pleasure work on a cycle, right? That's why pornography makes you feel good in the moment. And then a day later, you feel like crap again. So you got to go get more pornography because there's a cycle to it. People know this yeah. from working out, right? Like working out is painful in, in the moment, but you feel better afterwards, right? You feel better when you have the body that you want. You feel better when you get those endorphins. So working through the pain of having the conversation is only going to be painful in the moment. But lifting yourself out of that shade is going to begin to produce some pleasure in your life. And if you can realize that with every pain comes a pleasure followed, then this is going to be a process that you actually begin to seek the pain and seek the discomfort. Why do people get in cold plunges every single morning? Yeah, it's got some amazing benefits. It makes your brain feel good. It kind of gives you some discipline. But they know that if I sit in ice for, for three minutes, I'm going to be discomfortable. I'm going to be incredibly comfortable for the rest of the day because pain and pleasure work in a cycle. So pull the bandaid off, man. Oh man. You know, I, listeners, we're talking again here um, to Frank and Frank has an entire, entire podcast and, and his, his platform is devoted to this. And you would think, okay, well, if it was just a little part and if it just been a little bit, Frank, you would talk about it once in a while, but I love how committed you are to it. So it must've been a deep, passion of yours to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not just going to kick it for myself 
And I'm not going to not just going to help a couple friends of mine or people who come to me once in a while, but I'm going to go out there into into a space where a lot of guys would probably not venture to go. So I want you to give us a little bit, if you can be vulnerable with us for a second, give us a little bit of a of an insight into how into how it affected you, you know, as as deep as you want to go. You know, you don't have to tell us every story, but I think listeners need to go, was this a guy just had a little bit of a problem with it? Tell them where you were, because I think then we can transition that into why it's it's such a passion of yours to help other people. I think to know where you've been will help us understand why you've dedicated such an enormous part of your life and your passion to this. Absolutely, man. And I think I'm just like you, man. Like my entire life, I've, I just wanted to be a resource that, that, that could help others, you know, whether that was in the corporate leadership role that I held, in the sales training management, in the, in the bodybuilding career and training that I did to now the podcasting and coaching that we're doing. Like, I just want to be a tool and resource. And I think that this is, this is actually why, why I'm here. But for me, man, I think, you know, a couple of things to maybe kind of, you know, bring, you know, bring it home with people. Um, so I, w- I was, I worked in the wireless industry in, in my early twenties. So this is going back to the early Blackberry days, the Motorola razor phone. Like I was a part of the launch mm-hmm. for that for T-Mobile. Um, but what was interesting is by a very young age, so 22, 23, like I had accelerated myself into kind of upper management. So I was overseeing a couple different locations. I'd drive through malls and this and that, spent a lot of time in the road and spent a lot of times in shopping malls. Uh, so we were the kiosk locations in most malls. But in most malls, you have a few big department stores, right? You have a Dillers, Macy's, maybe there's a Nordstrom. One thing about all those stores is if you spend a lot of time in malls, you realize those become the private restrooms. So that's somebody that was making six figures in his early 20s, was leading teams, and I had a staff and employees of 50, 50 people at some point. I would go to these malls and locations, and most oftentimes before I actually showed up to the kiosk, I'd make a stop in one of the big department stores, find a private location to you know sit down with my phone, and I'd watch porn and masturbate literally in private restrooms. I also had a, I had a, uh, I think I told you this uh, when we spoke last week because I was at an event. So I've been attending business events and seminars for years now. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's entrepreneurially driven. I just want to be around people. But I was at an event with somebody that now is one of the top three Facebook uh, advisors in the world. Incredibly successful. We were sharing a hotel room and I'd gotten up early. We were in San Diego. I said, hey, man, I need to I want to go down to the gym. I want to get a workout before before the day starts, knowing I wasn't going to the gym, knowing that I couldn't watch porn in the room with him being there. I went downstairs into the lobby restroom and found a place where completely private consumed porn and masturbated there in the in the hotel lobby of a five star hotel in downtown San Diego. Now, the reason that story is coming up today, because the embarrass the bar- embarrassment came when I returned uh, when I tried to get back onto the to the hotel uh, to the elevator to get up to our room. It was one of those elevators that you need your key card to actually get it turned on to go upstairs. But I didn't have my key. I didn't have a key to get into the, uh, to get in back into the room. So number one, the person I was staying with knew I didn't go to the gym because you need a key to get into the gym. I had to go tell the front desk, Hey, can you, can you call the room up and can you let them know that I'm downstairs? Now we never had the conversation, but it was something that's still to this day. Like when I see him, we're still friends. We attend uh, events together. Probably at one point I will tell him, but that was it, man. Like I was out there chasing greatness. I was having an impact. I was pursuing bodybuilding and training um, and entrepreneurship, but I was carrying a second life. And I think that's why that moment of clarity came for me at the beginning, where it's like, you're living a double life, man. Like how much longer are you going to go living like this? Or are you going to radically accept it 
and and begin to make the changes. So wow. yeah, I don't know if I really answered your no, question. No, it is. There, it's but... a double. It is a double life. It's a secret life, and I love how you separated guilt from shame. And and now we're getting somewhere when we talk about look, it's it's interrupting your life, and there is a, a certain amount that you can do. And then we talk about what the word says. What does God say? How if, if we're talking out there? And granted, our our listenership is a majority of them are are Christians and believers. But you even told me there's a lot of people in the church and, and pastors, and mm. what we have is this infiltration, and we have a like it's almost like this secret society. And you and even when you say the word masturbate, um, and and listeners right now that's that's uncomfortable, right? If I say I masturbated or somebody masturbated, it, it's really it's one of those things that half the people would just be like oh, or maybe everybody, but in the back of our minds, then it's like, but is are we really that different? Like, is is it the stigma? You know, and and then we look at porn and we look at what it means and and the people that are in it and how it ruins lives. You know, I want to get into a little bit about that part. I want to get into what the church is saying. I want to get into a little bit about even that word masturbation. But when we talk about how it ruins lives, I was looking this up and it says that a survey of porn actresses uh, said that ninety seven percent of porn stars use drugs and. 88% of this is what really gets me. 88% of the scenes contain acts of physical aggression and 49% of the scenes contain acts of verbal aggressions. So these are the top selling films. It's it's not a normal it's not normal sex. I sent you that uh, one TED talk about this guy that was talking about pornography and he says, "You notice it's always in the angles. They never show people um, face-to-face. They never show really the kissing part. It's usually always just the penetration. And and it's physical, and it's violent, and God didn't mean for us to have physical, violent sex. You know, even most of the pornography, when we think about, like, doggy style and, and things that are very popular, it takes away from the missionary face-to-face. It takes the humanity out of sex. It, it makes the woman submissive, and it makes the man um, dominant. And they're both facing the same direction. And then when you get into a marriage or relationship, man, after you've been watching that your entire life, this is what gets me, is that your wife doesn't want to have a relationship where she's submissive and you're dominant and you're not looking at each other. That's not lovemaking. That's pornography, and it's unrealistic, and that's where I get fired up about because we're sending a message to people that is unrealistic— and it's violent, and it's hurting people, and a lot of people will look at this addiction as a victimless addiction, unlike uh, unlike a violent drug addiction or gambling addiction. It's it's not. So let's talk about the church. Let's talk about what God says. Let's talk about how we can really, as two men here that are normal men with normal sex drives, but two men that found Jesus and know that a real man is able to close these doors. A real man is able to focus on this and do the things that he needs to do to lead his family. Absolutely, man. And and there's a story I I, I, I share. I want to I want to I want to stay on that. Um, what fires together wires together. Um, that's using pornography as sex education, right? You know, we've we we touched on a little bit with the youth and they're getting exposed to it at 11, 10, 10 years old right now. Um, so the fact that nobody's having conversations with these kids, this is where they're going for their sex education, right? Um, there was a, there was a, a, a talk that I heard gave by 
um, Garrett, the founder of Fight the New Drug. Anybody doesn't know Fight the New Drug, definitely something you want to share in the show notes. Incredible organization, just raising awareness of the dangers of pornography, sex trafficking, and all, you know, all that's linked together. The founder was giving a talk at, at an event, and I heard him describe this scenario with, I believe it was a family that he knew. So there was a young boy, 12, 13 years old, excited, got his first girlfriend. Hey, mom, dad, I want, you know, I want Becky to come over for, for a date night at the house. Are you guys cool with this? Family was fully in support of it. Yeah, we're going to set you up in the driveway. We'll pull the projection screen out. You guys can have like a little drive-in movie experience at the home. Young kids, teenagers, right? But it's all done at home. So they set the kids up in the car, movies playing. Like, hey, we're going to check on you guys in, in, a, in an hour or so. Parents come out about 45 minutes later. Movie's on. They look in the car. The kid is leaning over the center console, and he's got his hands wrapped around the kid's, the girl's throat, and he's choking her. Instantly, the parents pull him out. What the hell is going on? What are you doing? What are you doing? He looks at him, genuine as can be, like completely innocent. Dad, I love her. Isn't this what I'm supposed to do? Wow. Jeez. You think about what you said there, right? You know, that whatever the number was, 70% of 80% of all porn has abuse in it, the verbal abuse. The number one search term is actually teen uh, in pornography. And we think about the, 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 the minor attracted person that's trying to get pushed on society as well. <laughs> Sounds like a byproduct of a lot of people consuming teenage pornography right so we just have to understand once again what fires together wires together the male brain isn't fully developed till 26 27 years old that means they got 16 years of consuming this while their brain is being developed so massive part of what i'm trying to do here is just raise awareness by having these type of conversations but to get back to the church piece here so i saw a study i believe it was done out of 2019 by barna research said 57 percent of pastors 57 percent of all pastors admit to having a problem with pornography that is outside of their control. 64% of youth pastors are admit to having a problem with pornography outside of their control. And only 7% of churches will actually have a program course or something working towards dedicating to helping men with it. So there's a major problem within yeah. the church. And I'm not here to bash the church. I think that there's varying reasons why I think it's the, like the age of the leadership. I think sometimes with, with something as big as like the overarching church, like it, it takes a lot to kind of begin to get some change moving, yeah. which is why I did plant my flag as deeply as I could. Here I'm a solo guy building a company. I can move a lot quicker than thousands of churches all at once. So we're seeing incredible, you know, impact through our work. I've had multiple pastors, ministry leaders, and, and, and church staff and employees go through, go through our programs. What I would like to see, man, is, is I just like to see it really become one of the main things that you talk about with men. I participated in multiple um, kind of men's groups. So, you know, the church I go to, it's a big mega church. So they go through these semesters, eight to 10 week cycles of kind of a men's group organization. Um, going through this multiple times and having hundreds of men collected all in a room and this, not, and this conversation not coming up once, to me is a disgrace. It's Amen. a disgrace to the yeah. men, it's a disgrace to the, to the church. Cause you said it right, 56% of, of all marriages that end up in divorce have this as a problem. So I think the church in and of itself is doing a very poor job, but I, I, I do feel it's beginning to get more accepted. I mean, my hope and prayer is that yeah. one day I'm no longer needed. Um, well, to do I, amen. And, for, and I love the work you're doing. And one of the things I remember as a young kid, I was raised in the Catholic church and I remember being like, ah, oh, geez, it must've been 13 or 14, you know, never even kissed the girl at this point. 
and I had a real conversation with my mom. I said, Mom, you know, I said, but I'm starting to get all these weird feelings and I'm so attracted to the girls. And then, you know, you know, I think it was maybe a year later, I said, why? I questioned her. I said, you know, Mom, you got to help me out. Why would God give me all of these hormones? Is it a test? What am I doing? And, you know, I looked at some some of the books of the Bible and I was starting to read it back then. And I thought to myself, you know, but these people were very young when they got married, right? We know they were married early in their teens and, and maybe... Maybe delaying marriage, certainly we see people delaying it, and Lord knows I did, is you're trying to deal with these hormones and stay abstinent for all of these years. Um, but what we realize, again, and I was talking with some Christian men, I said there's that the one scripture in the Bible that says, if you even lust at a woman with your eyes, you should pluck your eyes out. And kind of jokingly, I said to the men, I said, how many of us, what age would you have been blind if, if you took that verse literally? You know, I'd have been blind at 13, and and what we're what we're trying to say is it's not a literal verse, but the the lust mm-hmm. is God doesn't want you to literally pluck your eyes out, but it's the control over oneself and the control to know lust and even beyond porn, which you and I talked about, Frank. We have this little thing called Instagram today, and it's mm-hmm. like uh, softcore porn. And I tell you what, if I'll be honest, if you were a friend of mine and you're a female and I haven't seen any of your stuff or responded, that's probably because it was softcore porn. And what I do is I unfollow those things because I am in a committed relationship to my wife, my queen, and and I don't want anything to tempt me. I won't even put things before me that tempt me. I'd rather just take it out of my vision, out of my periphery, and those people say, oh, it's just, you and I talked about this, especially being in the fitness community. I was a trainer for 20 years. You were a trainer. Um, it's there. It's, no, this is just the girl's body. Mm-hmm. She's just posing. That's just her glutes. No, it's, it is softcore pornography. And you can tell me it's not, but I know it is because I know why those sites, I know why there's a girl who's got 300,000 followers and she's a fitness person because it's not her biceps that people are looking at. Every other thing mm-hmm. is her butt doing squats. And so let's not be naive and say that. You know, even when I met my wife, she was in the fitness industry, and I literally told my friend, I said, don't, I was supposed to interview her, and I said, don't send me. Don't send me because I know that I'm going to be attracted to this woman, and I've been dating the wrong women that look like this, and I don't want to get mm. sucked into another relationship with that. And luckily, it wasn't that way, but talk about that. Talk about the softcore porn, the introduction to it. What what constitutes pornography, and, and how are we being led to believe that that's not really bad? Yeah, brother, I love, I love this conversation, man. And, and here's the powerful thing that I can speak to from my own experience and being in the trenches with hundreds of men over the last couple of years, is when you, begin to, when you stop treating all the women in your life as objects for pleasure, the women that present themselves to the world as objects no longer are attractive to you. Meaning when you stop looking at women through that lens, those women are no longer even there. I was the same way, bro. Like I 100% justified I'm following this page because she's got the Fit Pro title in her name. She's hashtag Fit Pam. Me too. Good job. Now I'm going to go watch porn because I saw your butt and it got me excited. It's the edge effect, right? Like if I just, if I told you that pornography is going to give you a 10 hit of dopamine, doing the dishes is too, because it's not really aligned with like bigger goals. Eating healthy and working out is four. Working on a passion project is a seven. Well, Instagram is maybe going to give you a 10, right? It's going to, or, or an eight. It's going to give you more than you would get, like just doing like meaningful work, but it's not going to bring you to the point of pornography. But most addicts don't have the ability to approach the edge without eventually at some point falling off the cliff, right? This is why if you're going through 
alcohol recovery, your sponsor, whoever you're working with, dude, you need to stay out of the bar, man. You know, if you're, if you're struggling with substance abuse, you got to cut off the friends that you used to do drugs with. My interpretation of ripping the eye out is you got to cut off all the access entry points of pornography in your life. If your eyes is what's causing you to, 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 to fall into lust or to fall into sin, cover your eyes. If it's the gateway of Instagram is the pathway to you eventually finding pornography four hours later, shut it off, get it out of your life. You will be better yeah. served for yourself and your future wife. If you can overcome and transcend this now within the moment. But so good, I think brother. the biggest thing that I've, I've, I've been able to kind of get some clarity on is when you stop conditioning yourself that these women that present yeah. themselves as objects are what's attractive quick, like you will change what is attractive to you. So good. It's so, it, you know what? I'm so glad you're saying these things. I mean, everything that you're saying, I'm like, man, this, your platform definitely needs to be heard. Um, I'll give you an example too, is what we see now is a lot of uh, guys sending guys text messages that end up with stuff that's porn pornographic. And I remember, gosh, I remember it just like it was yesterday. I was living in Arizona. I had a good buddy come to visit me. We had been buddies for a long time. We had a couple of drinks at the bar, had a great meal. And, um, and later on that week, you know, he was sending me jokes and it started off as a joke and, and then it went right in, it was a video and it went right into a porn scene. And I was at this point, you know, I'd already discussed pornography with my wife. I had, you know, stopped watching it after I think the first year of our marriage and altogether. And I haven't watched it since. Um, but you know, I, I was an avid watcher before that. Um, and at this point I discussed with Angelique and I said, babe, you know, uh, I don't even want this stuff in front of me. And you know, my friend sends it to me and I don't know if he's a believer or not, but regardless, I got to find a way, you know, as a man to step up, if not, if not for anything for myself to prove that I can have this conversation. Again, we take a step in maturity to become a man. And I said, as a man and a, mm. certainly a man of God who is trying to lead other people to Jesus Christ, I have to step up here and prove that I can do it. And she's like, well, just do it then just send a message. And I send a message. I said, Hey brother, you know, I, I understand that these jokes are funny and, or you think they are, but I go, I'm really on a walk right now looking to get deeper into, you know, my walk with Jesus. And, and I can't have anything like this come across my screen. And I certainly don't want it to look at it because it's an offense to my wife. And I said, I just, you know, it's not anything in our friendship. I don't, I still want to be friends mm -hmm. and I don't want you to take this personally. And I go, just please don't send it to me. And here's the thing, man when I was sending that message, my heart was kind of racing and I was like, gosh, I hope he doesn't, you know, come back and say, what a jerk or anything because look, we were buddies and he didn't, he came back and said, no, nah, bro, I totally understand. Perfect. He goes, I, I apologize. I won't do it anymore. See, I'm not saying that right now. That's you're probably the first or second person I told that story to Frank. I'm not saying that right now to say, look at me. I'm saying that to say, you got to step up and take mm. control because that's where you started off this podcast. It's about control of your life. It's about stepping up and saying, hey, you know what? I am not going to live uh, to achieve half my goals. I'm not going to live to just be okay. I want to go over the top. And if porn is holding me back, that's one of the things I'm going to use. I'm going to use my own self-control. I'm going to prove to myself that it does not have a grip or a vice on me and that I can beat it just like any other addiction. Love that, brother. I mean, what what I heard there is is leadership, man. Like you stepped up through self leadership first, but you begin to lead your friend. Now, whatever he does with your leadership after the fact is his choice and decision. But as men, more importantly, as as Christian believers, yeah. men, like we are called through discipleship and just through the Bible, right? We are here 
to protect, serve, and most importantly, lead, whether we lead our, we must lead ourselves first. And guys that are struggling with pornography struggle with self-leadership, but then we lead, we lead the group of men around us, right? Like that's, that's yeah. really what stood out to me there is what an incredible leader David is first in his life, in his marriage, but more importantly, in his friendship, because you're now leading this path, you're leading this man down the path of righteousness, down the path of purity in his own heart. Like, but what he does with that is, is sure. up to him. But that's Thank what you. really jumped out at me, man, was, was that leadership Thank from you. you that you, that you exemplified well, there. I, I appreciate that. And the other thing I would say is, you know, if, if you're not at that step yet, guys out there that are watching this or listening to it, uh, if you're not at that step yet and you do get some of these messages, one of the best things to do is just don't respond. You know, mm-hmm. if someone, if your buddies send you 10 messages and, and three of them are vulgar, don't respond to the three ones that are vulgar. And eventually they'll get the point. Like, Frank, if I sent you 10 messages and three of those are pornographic, right? And you respond to each of the seven, you know, like football games. Hey, that's a great game. Um, the concert. Yeah, that's a great song. And then the pornography, you're just silent. Guess what I'm going to do as a normal human being? I'm going to like, hmm. Let me let me make an assumption here. Frank doesn't want me sending him porn. It's not his thing, and I'll stop doing it. So sometimes silence speaks volumes. Absolutely, man. Um, so, so so powerful what 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 you're sharing here. And just for anybody out there that's interested, if anybody sends me ten messages, you're probably not going to reply back to any of them. Yeah, just that's how I operate. <laughs> well, here's here's two things. Um, I got I got ten minutes left with you, and I got I got a great question for you at the end, but. Here's a couple of things that just in statistics, when we talk about the disconnect, you talked about mm. pornography being it's a disconnection and it's no longer the face to face lovemaking that God intended between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And we're seeing really what I would consider a very scary trend into getting more and more disconnected from the human side. If we look back at the 70s mm. and 80s, that pornography, I mean, as bad as, it, as, bad as pornography is, it was two humans. What we're seeing now in these statistics, this is, uh, I just looked this up yesterday. One of the number one searches in, in the whole porn industry is this thing called hentai, which is, it's like, um, it's like the anime, like the Japanese style of anime. And mm. it's, it's basically um, professional productions with these animations and, and 3D generated scenes of, of people that aren't even real. And, yeah. and that's kind of creepy because now we're really taking a human side out of it. And then uh, I think another thing we see is in 2021, trans searches grew 141%, mm. you know, making it the 10th most watched category by male visitors. So we're really now even going down even darker corridors. If you look at a stronghold, we're opening up these other demonic dark corridors of pornography that have a whole different psychological mindset to them that... Frank, I mean, what does that tell you about where it's going? And it's kind of scary. Yeah, man. And it, I think what you just shared there gives some credibility to my explanation of a butterfly research study. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell do butterflies have to do with pornography addiction? I think we just saw it, right? Um, so if the butterflies were no longer attracted to real ones because the fake ones implanted into their ecosystem had everything at a supernormal level, then that's why we're seeing men now consuming super normal, animated, highly produced, highly graphic, right? Because the normal vanilla sex, this is an addiction known as the desensitization effect, right? Anybody that has had anybody in their life that has struggled with substance, alcohol, whatever, think about that person's journey to wherever they ended up hitting rock bottom. If you're, if you're downing a, a fifth of whiskey every single night, you've had some levels of progression, right? Like alcoholics don't start there 
you normally start partying kind of gateway stuff. Then it becomes that kind of a pattern of behavior. Then you're like, well, the, the beer isn't working. So let me move on to a lighter liquor. So there's this escalation effect of what you need more and more of the same thing to produce the same effect. Same yeah. thing with drugs, right? This is why, you know, marijuana has been a gateway. Yeah. Not that everybody that smokes becomes a drug addict, but you don't become a drug addict without having to go through some type of gateway tunnel first. So when we hear all these stats, when we hear what people are watching, what they are consuming, this is just showing us the severity and how, and how big this thing really is. Because I can tell you, all of those people that are consuming that, all of those people that are involved in Natasha's work with the human trafficking side didn't start there. They have to go through the pornography right. tunnel first to end up at that point. That's why you'll hear a lot of people on the uh, human trafficking side of things talk about human trafficking as the marketing department for the pornographic industry or the or pornography is the marketing department yeah. for human traffic. I'm sorry. I had those reversed around because you don't end up at that point with having it gone through that wow. tunnel first. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The, 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 what's normal at first becomes mundane and then you're looking mm. for something crazier because, and then it leads down to different paths. Whew. Okay. Well, yeah. And then, and then when the porn stops working, right, what's next? Massage parlors, escorts, prostitution, yeah. that stops working because people won't consent to doing the things you need them to do. Then you end up in Natasha world, right? Yeah. You have Ooh. to buy sex from, from trafficked individuals to do whatever you need them to do because people won't willingly consent oh, to the man. acts. It's such, ladies and gentlemen listening, it's such an important topic. Um, I'm so glad we're addressing this today. And it's, it's something that I don't want you to wash your hands of and say, it's not me. I don't, it doesn't pertain to me. Um, we are where we are today because of these exact things that Frank is talking about. I applaud him for having the courage, the guts, and the drive really to to do this. I've watched your Instagram channel, and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of information. Every day it's good stuff. Every day it's stuff that's presented in ways that it's just, here it is, and this is how you beat it. We're not, like I said, we're not beating around the bush. It's it's right there. So I'm going to ask you this one last question, and I want you to really think about it. I'll set it up this way. Um, I'm a 25-year-old guy uh, embarking on, you know, the first part of my career. I'm seeing some success. I live by myself. Um, you know, I want to get married and have a good relationship, but maybe I'm five years away from that, and I am deep in the throes of a pornogra- pornography addiction. And you're telling me that I should stop. And I'm saying, well, why? What what What's it going to do to harm me? I want you to tell me two or three things that you would tell to a young man saying, this is what's going to happen, and this is how your life can be better, because that's what we're trying to convince people of. Not that this is just bad, because some people say, well, I don't have that faith you do, or I'm not hurting anybody. I want you to tell somebody, that young man out there, or maybe it's the man who's 10 years into his marriage, and he's in his mid-30s, or maybe it's the guy who's 20 years into his marriage, regardless of who it is. What's the benefits, Frank, of putting the brakes on this addiction? First off, to that young man, 25, I'll use him first, because that was how you set the question up. I would acknowledge and congratulate that young man for where he's already at in his life. Hats off to you, bro. 25, doing the things that you're doing, already stepping into a career, knowing what you want out of life, making changes out on your own, building a foundation, a firm one that you're going to be able to build a life off of. Hats off, man. You're ahead of the curve, at least from what I'm seeing in the world today. There's a lot of 25-year-old men that aren't at that point. 
I wouldn't tell him anything though, is I'd ask him a couple questions. How clear on it, on what you want in life are you? How truthfully, radically, honestly clear on A, what do you want? And then the second question to that is who do you need to be in order to create the life that you're wanting? It's incredible. You're at 25, you got a great job, you got a house, you're doing all these things. What does the next 10 years look like for you? If we could, if we could, if we could go forward in time, you're 35. What does the life look like? What does the family, what is your wife's name? What color hair does she have? What home are you guys living in? Is it in the city? Is it in the suburbs? You guys on a lake house? Get really, really clear on what you want out of life. But then you must follow that up with who must I become? And what this does is this creates a vision gap within your life because you'll know where you currently are. You did a great job of, of, of describing that for that man. In order to create that life, though, there's going to be a gap from who you are today in order to get the life that you want. And if there wasn't a gap, you would already have the life that you want. So don't, so people can't answer this question. Well, I'm already the person I need to be. Well, no, you're not because you'd already have True. that life. So you must be radically honest with yourself, create this gap. And then you tell me how your pornography addiction plays the role in you continuing to become the person you want to be. So I'm not here to tell anybody what to do. I'm here to ask questions. That's what a coach does. And I think with anybody, I can lead them through a series of questions for them to reveal to themselves why they need to make the changes and get it out of their life. I like that. I like it a lot because I think it comes from a, a point of understanding as a coach and not from a point of judgment. And I think the best way to convince somebody of something is to let them talk themselves into it, right? Mm. Let, that, let them realize that, wait, this is not where I'm supposed to be going. Um, and so as we wrap it up, uh, tell us where, uh, you know, where are the resources? You, you already said uh, fight the new drug. Uh, that's not yours, but that's a good resource. Tell us what, where they can find you, some of the resources, and um, what you're working on in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned the Instagram. Um, so we're very active on all the social platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, at Coach Frank Rich. It's the same on all three platforms. So you can just search us in the bar there. Uh, most of them are linked together. Um, in terms of, you know, like resources for, for the men. So I have a free book. Uh, it's called The Seven Step Guide to Living Life Without Porn. Simple ebook, strategies, tactics to really walk you through creating a life 100% porn free. Things we're excited about, man, we've seen some real tremendous growth with the podcast here uh, over the last six months or so, really beginning to make some headway there. Um, our group coaching, man, is, is, is really where it's at, though. So for guys that are really looking to make dramatic change in their life, we launch one group cohort per month. Uh, we get about eight to ten guys packed in that, create an incredible strong community and brotherhood of like-minded men that are all taking back control and rebuilding their lives Got a, really, got a really exciting thing kind of on the docket, though, um, in terms of like upcoming projects. Uh, so I partnered with a Navy SEAL um, on a year-long curriculum that'll kind of be phase two. So once you reboot, rewire, kind of get control of your life, it's one to help these men step into the next phase and become the men that they're all created to be. We have a really in-depth curriculum that's going to take you through 11 superhuman virtues, courage, confidence, respect, communication over the course of a year-long commitment. Um, it's going to allow you to step into, you know, better leadership within your life, better leadership within your family, better leadership within your corporate job or your business. Um, so just really excited about, but there's, there's a lot going on, but those resources, coach Frank Rich on any of the platforms or you can get the seven step guide at the seven step guide.com. All right. Thank you so much. His name is Frank Rich. He is the host of the super human life podcast, and he is doing kingdom work. He's doing the work that he was called to do, and Frank, God bless you. I hope that your voice and your message 
takes off and goes everywhere that it needs to be. And I just can't thank you enough. We're going to have you back on the Turned On podcast soon. And for all of you guys, find him on Instagram, listen to his podcast, and we'll see you right here next time on the Turned On podcast. Mm -hmm.